Hey, After Buzzers, before we move on to your next topic, we just want to say thanks to our sponsor, Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. Plus, there are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Also, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. Plus, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to Anchor FM to get started. Presented by AfterBuzz TV and hosted by Hall of Fame superstar Sean X-Pac Waltman, this is X-Pac 12360. And now your host, WWE Hall of Fame superstar Sean X-Pac Waltman. Welcome to X-Pac 12360, everyone. (laughs) Hey, so uh, usually I'm a little bit more, you know... I bring a little bit more energy when I say that, but like the the new intro kind of is a little bit more <laughs> of a chill vibe to it. There I you think, go, right? It's mellow it out a little bit. Yeah, and I like that. It doesn't have to be welcome to it's Park One Two Three Sixty. Doesn't fucking have to be like that. No one's gonna turn the channel because <laughs> I didn't have enough energy in my fucking intro. <laughs> Just keep it mellow out. It's fine. Oh, oh, it's good to be back home. I enjoyed my... Oh, we can turn that music off now. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I know that's like the thing that happens in the beginning for a while. Like the podcast, people talk over the music, but it fucking noisy shit out of me. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I'm a big fan of that, actually. All right. I mean, if if they can do it in a way where it just feels... Oh no, they're just going. I'm not saying it annoys me to listen to other people's podcasts like that. It just fucks with me. That's all. (laughs) Mm. So, um, especially like when we were in um, and doing it from 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 Orlando to PC, and I heard that, I was like, ah, what the fuck is that? (laughs) You know. And then they were like, oh, let's redo it, and I'm like, ah, no, fuck it. (laughs) So anyone that didn't actually hear that episode's probably going, what the fuck's he talking about? (laughs) So yeah, no, it's great to be home. Uh, it was. I just want to thank um, Road Dog for sitting in with me for the last couple of weeks down in Orlando. Twice. That was fun, right? It was really fun. We yeah. got a lot of really great feedback. People really loved yeah. the conversation. Yeah, and some people didn't. Some people are like, ah, oh, fucking company man, towing the fucking company line. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> you can't please everyone on the internet. Come on, I have anyone. Does not tow company lines that works for that company. It will be me. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I, I still it's my it's I, I work for them, and you know, so I'm you know I'm rooting for everyone in the wrestling industry, but I guess especially WWE. Right. But I think you guys were giving your perspective because you guys yes. were there, you guys know it, yeah. you guys know the ins and outs, sure. etc. I mean, yeah. you can say what you want online, but the fact is, you guys are there, you guys yeah. are working there. Give him yeah. what you know. Yeah. Uh, so it was it was nice. It, you know what really fucking sucked, though, was uh, not having Lou with me. Oh, wow. Oh, my God. I was just, I, mean, I really missed her a lot. <laughs> right, Lou? She's down here scratching. <laughs> She's down there. But, yeah, no. Uh, Who was watching her while you were at here? My, girl, you were my girlfriend, Angela. Nice. And But she started her, she writes TV shows, and she started her job. It's like a couple days after I left. So Lou was home alone for a while. Oh, man. During the day. She's fine, though. <laughs> is but. she ever really home alone? Or did, are, is she used to that? Usually not. Okay. Usually not. But it's, it's alright. 
she'll live. So two weeks at the Performance yes. Center. What was that like? Ask, yeah, ask me some questions. Yeah, well, some let's sh- start off with that. Pull some stuff out of me. Um, it was nice. I, uh, um, you know, so anyways, we had Road Dog on, and he talked about going down there. And, you know, that was kind of like when my, f- my first trip down there a few months back, he, Brian hadn't hadn't quit SmackDown and and went down there yet. So, um, a lot of the stuff that I might have been doing down there, he's doing some of. So we're trying. We're uh, and, and he's doing a great job of it too. Um, um, leading like a group, kind of like you know what I talked about how Sean has a group. Right. And then, but there you know, there are other groups too, like Terry Taylor has one and different people have one and and Brian has one and um and he's just really good at leading groups. And and cuz he he does a lot of that kind of thing. He he led like the meet, the production meetings a lot of times up in you know, like for the Smackdown stuff. And also I think Brian does a lot of uh he leads a lot of the meetings when he goes to AA meetings. So <laughs> and yeah, and it's great and the, like the the way he motivates people that are in his group and not just what like you know the shit you're doing right or wrong in your matches but like in life leadership and, skills and yes and just you know how to be a better person and you know uh, and um, you know throwing that in there but not like you know cramming it down people's throats yeah and I think that that energy and that charisma was was kind of one of his trademarks for yeah. so long that it makes sense that he would be kind of a natural leader in situations like that hey so everyone if you're wondering who the fuck that is <laughs> that's Ty Matthews thank you Ty hey, thank happy you for, to be here thank you for coming in Ty absolutely been waiting for you for a few weeks <laughs> thank you hopefully everyone will uh, will understand why I've been waiting for you <laughs> No pressure. Hopefully you do a good job. <laughs> no, nah, it'll be fun. It'll be fun. I'm I'm really glad to be here. Definitely. Uh, obviously, yeah. been been a huge fan, and yeah, I've been waiting to waiting to do it as well. So yeah. it'll be cool. So um, I just real quick, Ty uh, is a talent at Championship Wrestling from Hollywood. That's just one of the things. And like we, so anyways, I always tell everyone like if we busted a take or whatever, and yeah, we this is take two, maybe even take three of this. So we were, I was already talking with Ty, and he was explaining, you know, uh, I just thought you were a manager over there, and yeah. I didn't know you were having matches. So well, I I started as a wrestler. I yeah. was a wrestler first and foremost. Then took took a couple years off, uh, came back, got into managing. That was like one of the last things that I hadn't yet done in wrestling before because I had refereed, I had commentated, all sorts of stuff. Uh, so now I'm kind of juggling managing wrestling and producing a little bit as well. And um, outside of wrestling, Outs- what's your background? Outside of wrestling, I'm a writer. Uh, yeah. I majored in creative writing, minored in journalism. Um, and uh, yeah, that's that's kind of my, my main thing. Oh. Wr- written for a lot of magazines before. Uh, I've written for Hustler Magazine, for Alternative Press, all sorts of stuff. Nice. Yeah. All right. And your well, comedy I, show? Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I help uh, produce a, co- a wrestling themed variety show at the Pack Theater in Hollywood. So oh, very cool. Just trying to stay busy. Anyways, yeah. <laughs> All right, enough. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just kidding. <laughs> what a nice introduction <laughs> to the show. Right? If you're now. wondering who the fuck that is, <laughs> we, I just like to, you know, have a good time here. Of like, course. Just, you know. I keep it serious, and I like to... Whatever. I, you fucking heard the show before. 
<laughs> Jesus Christ. Where was I? I was talking about, you PC. know. Yeah, PC and, and Ryan and, and uh, oh, and, and, and people like saying we're towing the company line. and eh. It's just, I don't know. Where was I? I know I was. So I you moved were, talk, you were talking about groups and how he leads. Oh a yeah, group yeah, right. And what he does yes. with the group, but you didn't. You, so, what specifically does he do with the groups? Like, how does the how does Helps the day him look out, like? like the, all that stuff is like, um, um, you know, those groups. You're like you're looking at the matches with them, and uh, they call them skull sessions. Okay, and I think they um, don't ask me why they call them that. They borrowed the term from. I think maybe football, like oh, okay. or something. But they're studying footage yeah. and things like that, kind of breaking it down. Yeah, and it's incredibly valuable. Mm. You know, I mean, there's a lot of times in the in the past, like you know, before you could just watch everything back on. We had to just go by memory, driving, you know, leaving the building and driving to the next town, right? In the oh, car, I think that going, oh, you remember when? We, okay, you know, when you ducked the punch and you hit me with that, did it, you know, and all that, and like you kind of got to go by memory. Of you know how things worked and you know and uh, and it's just so much better when you can actually go okay and point to it on on video. Mm. So uh, and having all these like just the thoroughbreds in in wrestling um, in this group and having knowledge dropped on them by guys like Shawn Michaels, Road Dog, myself, Terry Taylor, just guys that just. So many years of experience, yes. yeah, yes, and uh, different levels of drawing money, mm-hmm. and and um, you know, uh, it's just wow. Was there anyone that kind of jumped yeah. at, at you uh, in particular that you that you can? Yeah, you there's know. plenty of people that okay, um, and some of them I don't even know their name. Zia Lee, like Zia. yeah, oh, she was in yeah. the May Young Classic, yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, um, um, I'm impressed with her. She's going to be a star. Uh, keep an eye on Bianca Belair. I know they they featured her, her here and there already. But, yeah, definitely. You know she's she's done some nice pops, like when she does. Yes, shows. and and she has some work to do, and she's doing it. Mm-hmm. And she's she's um, you know she. Uh, uh, everyone, most just about everyone there, like they're they're there to learn, and they're fucking doing a great job down there. Uh, How are the new uh, guys assimilating? Like Shane Strickland, Garza Jr. Oh, yeah, Garza Jr. Yeah, he did really well. Big fan of his, really well. So amazing. Yeah, uh, he had a match uh, one of the one of the TVs. Okay, okay, so I could just tell tell you about that. So I got there on Monday and the. Uh, Wednesday was TVs already, and then actually Wednesday and Thursday because they had two, you know, they had to do TVs to to uh, go all, head all the way into SummerSlam. Oh wow! So they're doing like back to back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I helped out with a lot of a lot of that. Nice, and, and uh, I yeah, I had heard about this kind of this this sort of tournament that they're doing. Oh, the breakout tournament. Mm. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and I like that. And the name of it's fine too. I guess I I was trying to think of oh what, you know what do you call it Young Lions tournament or I don't right, know it's because right, right. that's basically what it is right, right yeah um now there was some good stuff in that uh, so I'm trying to yeah so Garza Junior mm-hmm. who's going by Angel Garza now I think is what he's okay. going yeah 
Uh, he worked with DJ Z, had a really good match with him. DJ Z is called Joaquin something. Joaquin Wild, I think. Something like yeah. that. Yeah. Um, oh, shit. Keith Lee's. I think Keith Lee's going to do well. Definitely, yeah. It's yeah. it's impossible not to be impressed. They're not like them, doing yeah. a ton with him like right now, but they will be. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and I saw some some pictures online of him and, and ACH. Hopefully, they get a chance yeah. to work together. ACH now Jordan Miles. I Jordan think. Miles, and I think I think he's doing well uh, in in the tournament. Mm-hmm. He has really good a really good persona. Yes. ACH. That's one of the things I noticed about him that he has like this energy yes. that you, like you can tell that's who yeah. he is. That's his person. Yeah. You can't teach that kind of energy. Yeah, and. Uh, Trevor Lee is called Cameron Grimes now, mm. and uh, and he's a standout in that tournament as well. Um, yeah, yeah, I I love that that concept of of taking an entire field of people that hadn't been on on TV yet on the show and kind of just like I I think it's a ready made recipe for giving someone yeah. that that kind of push, you know, mm-hmm. like highlighting their strengths and stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. Actually, I have a freaking lose of course every time i need something whether it's the fucking remote like at home or like my phone or something or like a charger cable if i can't fucking find it all i have to do is look under lou <laughs> so anyways give me a second hey lou <laughs> this might re- this might help refresh my memory there we go it's like this is a list of everyone and oh wow and, oh nice yeah um, ch- 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 oh shit I know it's gonna tell you like okay from the Beverly Brothers yeah um, yeah, yeah yeah you know uh, Wayne Bloom and Mike Enos Wayne Bloom's son Cal is there is it is at the PC no, no shit okay had no experience prior to going there mm. kind of looks a lot like his dad um, um, I think the. For someone that doesn't have any experience, like I'm, I'm pretty impressed with him. Yeah, yeah, he's got a good look. Um, who the fuck goes? Uh, Adrian, like oh, Adrian, I can't spell, I can't pronounce his last name. Brazilian he, guy. Yes, yeah. and now he's called Arturo Huas. Yes, and um, and I, I think he's got a lot of promise too. There was a match he had with Matt Riddle. That uh, was on one of the one of the TVs that you'll be seeing. Wow, so good and so different from anything like because because uh, Huas, you know, he doesn't have any pro wrestling background at all, mm. and uh, and so like I was wondering, like I so I went up to Riddle and I was like, hey man, like how's this match gonna go? Like you know, and he goes, I'm just gonna fight him. <laughs> I'm he, just gonna bite him because I can, and like that's how. Because he also comes from a from a martial arts background, yeah, doesn't he? Obviously. So, um, it, and it was just it was really cool. It, it was. It didn't resemble uh, like a conventional pro wrestling match, and, and that was like the best part of it. And the people like they were into it and they enjoyed it. And, yeah, I think you guys will like it. Yeah, I think the the, the Brazilian talents that they've got yeah. between Huas and then Cesar Bononi and Tenera Conti, I, I love watching that unit perform because it's, yeah, it's different. It gives yeah. you something new, you know? Yeah. Oh, oh, um, 
guy from India that they made like this movie about the million dollar arm. Have you ever heard of that guy? His name mm. is Rink Rinku Singh. No. Rinkus uh, yeah. Yeah, he he's he's gonna be a big star. Yeah? Yeah. Very like no you know, like another guy who doesn't have any experience and you know, wrestling before all this and um uh I I saw a match he had. There were uh people from India there like the media press or whatever was there. ESPN was there, I think. Uh, you know, take a look at him, and he was really impressive to me. Like very believable in there, just incredible facials. Like his his face, and just like it's incredible. Like the facials are incredible without him even trying. That's know? awesome. Um, and like he grabbed the headlock on the guy, and I'm like, oh my god, it looks like he's fucking killing the guy. Like it looked like the guy was actually going out there, and you know. Having a mat, like a, you know. Catches your eye. Trying to wrestle. Yeah, definitely. You know, nothing, you know, like very green. Very, very green. But, um, yeah. Let me see who else. Uh, Oh, Jonah Rock. I love Jonah Rock. Absolutely. Definitely. The Australian scene is just top to Um, bottom incredible. Shit, I'm sitting here reading off this paper. You should just, like, turn Uh, the paper around. These are all the names. (laughs) Yeah. Um. Uh, oh fuck! Hey, did you see Riddick Moss talk about the the, the Achilles tear with Kevin? Is it Kevin Durant? Ke- what? Come on, guys! Help me out here. I think Kevin you Durant just... had an Achilles tail, right? Tear, right? I I'm not entirely sure. Oh, fuck. Never mind. <laughs> Jesus Kevin fucking Durant Christ! Stumped us on this that is Ryan one. The booth, you guys. Yeah, Kevin Durant did have an Achilles tear in the finals. Yeah, and so Riddick <laughs> Moss, Riddick Moss, one of the NXT guys who had a, an Achilles tear and came back like, you know, re- full recovery. Five months. In five months. Oh wow! And so like he was on TMZ. You know, telling Durant, like, hey, no, man, that you don't need to be out the whole fucking season. You can get this shit done in five months. <laughs> yeah, he's like, hit me up. That's awesome. Hit me up. I'll, I'll fucking help you out with that. That's so. Six days ago on TMZ. That's good for Riddick Moss. Yeah. Yeah. Um, fuck. There's a lot. I mean, Street Profits. Yep. Definitely. A lot of charisma. Yeah. Yeah, Montez Ford is just I, I like Angelo Dawkins a lot, but Montez Ford is on a on a whole other level with his charisma and energy, the stuff he can do in yeah. the ring. Yeah. Yeah, you can't I would rather have him be like that and then like pull him back a little bit at times sure. than be like, Hey man, you need to be a little bit more, you know Right, because he's kind of on all the time. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah. The Monday you got there, you and Brian said that you were running through Entrances with everyone at the performance center. Yes. Were there any standouts from that from that day? That, yeah. That might I don't want to say shock us, but that we, they may be known for their in ring. That you saw I said, Zaya, Zaya, yeah. her partner. Like, forgive me for not knowing like sure. some of the names, but you know they had a great entrance. Um, oh shit. Um, the okay. I Ilya. Oh. Aaliyah? Aaliyah and some other and another girl. And uh, Vanessa Bourne, yes. I think. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, they had a, as a team, right? Mm. They had a nice entrance. Um anyway, and there's yeah, several had I'm not gonna name names, but several. Um you can tell they work on their entrances a lot more than they work on the shit in their fucking ring. <laughs> 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 they got those entrances fucking down. <laughs> 
So, so now when you were there, so you talk about these groups and stuff. So when they did, when were you like in Road Dogs group kind of like chiming in or how did that work for you? I sat in with, with, with Brian's group. I sat in with Terry Taylor's group. I sat in with Sean's group. So a little bit of everything. Yes. And I did some one-on-one stuff because, uh, so, you know, when, when someone's giving you critique, it's a lot better. Uh, and for me, giving someone critique, I can be more honest with them and fucking brutally honest with them if all their peers aren't in the room with them. Right. You know? so Don't want to put them on blast yeah. in front of everyone. Yeah. It's just easier for everyone. Now, do you know, like, okay, so for example, like, you're giving a guy, you know, whoever, you're giving the guy a critique. For the most part, does the guy Girls kind of too. already... Well, yeah. So does the person already, like, know, like, this is what I've need to work on do they kind of already know like what it is the critique is going to be or do you find that most times it comes as a surprise mm. one would hope they have somewhat of a clue just by you know being mm-hmm. you know uh just paying attention to what's you know how things are going in in, in in the match sure you know okay boy i tried that that sure didn't work or you know um geez i wonder how come the crowd's so dead for you know when we're out there fucking just Going balls to the wall and throwing everything, you know, doing everything we got. Mm. So yeah, hopefully. Now there are some people that like, hey, you say, hey, you see that? Like maybe you shouldn't have done that, or hey, you got to work on that. And you get to like, really? You know, like they did. And it's like, don't you watch your shit back? <laughs> right. Like, can you like? And it's like anyway. you said, yeah. That's such a that's such a luxury now to be able to to have that. Not ha- not have to scour for VHS tapes. Yeah. Do you find that that's either because they were taught a different way, or because that's just the way they do things and they are accustomed to do? A they certain just thing? weren't taught that those things aren't. It's hard to teach. It's hard to teach um, those things in actual wrestling school. You, you know, uh, in a in a building with a ring in it, where there's no where there's not a crowd. Right. And I'm do you, not do talk- you mean like entrances and stuff? No, I'm talking about everything. I'm mm. talking about the match stuff. Like you can have, you can go through the mechanics of a match, but all the little in, be- in between shit that I talk about, like you kind of need a crowd for that to see if it actually works on them. You know, so um, right. I imagine it's it's similar to comedy. Like you can work on jokes all you want, but like oh, until you're telling them in front of a crowd, yeah, you know? and and yeah, a crowd that's like not. Trying to be nice, to, like, right? right? Or, or open micers just waiting for yeah. their turn yeah, to sell their jokes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there, there's I call them comedy bubbles in L.A. where that where people become good open mic comedians. Sure, they're not good comedians. Right, <laughs> right. Luckily, luckily, yeah, there isn't there isn't that sort of a thing in wrestling. It's always people that are there to see wrestling. Hopefully, yeah. Anyways, I'm looking at this, and there's so many names on this paper. Like I just, I'm like, okay, all right. Do you um, have an idea when you'll go back? Uh, maybe uh, at the end of end of July. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. Once a month is kind of what we're looking at right now cool. for a week. And did I you just wanna... don't want like I I really love California. Did Did you also want to share that photo that you were talking about earlier? Oh yeah. Hey, so um, hey, so uh, if anyone that's watching right now, like take a look up uh, up there. We got um, that's who I was at, at work with every every day down there. Uh, old. Uh, after Buzz and X Pac One Two Three Sixty alum uh, Johnny Laquasto and Mark Donica, and so I like every day I went to work I saw those guys, 
That's and so they're cool. very happy, and they're doing a great job, and uh, and uh, which I'm really thankful for because you don't want to send anyone down there and they go, what the fuck? <laughs> exactly. Who the fuck did you send us? So I yeah, would, I would argue you're three and zero at this point. Yeah. yeah, right. So and look at look at the big smile on Mark's face. <laughs> He's so happy. Yeah. I was actually noticing yours. You were like, yeah. (laughs) And so, and yeah, we had to go outside because there are no pictures allowed to be taken inside the PC. Mm. Anyways, yeah. Anyway, okay. Let's move this thing forward. All right. Well, we have a lot of news to talk about. Unfortunately, I'm going to kind of start off with, you know, not a happy one at all, which was the passing of Adrian Lionheart McCollum, who passed away at the age of 36 years old. He is best known as Lionheart in the UK Indies. He was ICW world champion. He started wrestling in 2002, and in 2007 he was with ICW. Um, Sean, I know you tweeted about him. I just, I knew Adrian, and what a great guy. Like, I actually worked for him because, um, yeah, no, I I did show I did shows in, in Scotland uh, for him, and I did uh, like I was on OTT shows w- with him, um, and, uh, and just other shows throughout the UK, and, and um, fuck, and I'm not like I don't want to even get into the nature of how he passed because I mean I'm not sure that those details. I don't of, think those are out. Then yet. I'm not going to talk about it, mm-hmm. uh, but. Um, just incredibly sad. Um, fuck, man. I, uh. So, yeah, because there are, you know, those details have been shared. I don't know how in-depth I want to go on this, but I just want to say that this guy was a great guy. Um, and people say that about everyone when they pass, but um, not a super guy. And, and I just, my heart goes out. Like, my heart hurts for everyone Um yeah, you overseas can, right now over there that knew and loved him. You can tell the amount of the amount of support coming out um, for him yeah. is definitely indicative of how much of an impact yeah. he had on the UK scene. Yeah, and I think there I think there was some um, there was an issue with his neck, like mm. so because you know some people might wonder, Jesus, how come we never saw him in WWE or whatever? And trust me, like he was good enough. Absolutely good enough to be there. I think there was an issue with his 2014, neck. 2014, he broke his neck in two places yeah. after taking a Styles class from AJ Styles Ooh. improperly. Oh, wow. Yeah, so that like, that was an issue that prevented, I think, him from being able to pass it physical. Right. Most likely. I think. I'm not sure. But I, just for anyone that was wondering maybe why um, they hadn't seen him in WWE. So uh, to everyone, like, like all the, all the, you know, everyone at ICW and all over, you know, the UK, I'm really sorry, and you know, just I don't, I don't even want to say, like, especially yeah. 36 years old. Yeah, yeah. So uh, maybe we'll talk about it, you know, in upcoming shows when more has been shared. But it's definitely not my place to, you know, elaborate any further. So, all right. 
So um, moving on, I guess you can say we're going to get into more like controversial waters. I don't know if that's what you want to say. So recently, Seth was interviewed by Sports Illustrated Media. And obviously, he was asked about Dean Ambrose comments that were made on Seth, on the Chris Jer- on Jericho's podcast. And I know he was on another podcast as well, talking about his past experiences with WWE, mainly talking about promos and being upset with creative with creative and stuff like that. So Seth actually did did talk about this and did answer this. He said that not everybody was equipped to handle the rigors of WWE and the schedule and how it affects you mentally and emotionally. He also went on to say that Ambrose did give everything he had for the company, but that at the end of the day, he chose to take his ball and go home and go elsewhere. He did say, and I think it's a little presumptuous of him to get on a podcast and talk about the company that talked down about the company that gave him such an opportunity. However, in the end, he did say that he loves Dean and that they just have different perspectives on who they want and on what they want in their lives. Okay. All right. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I I, I can't really. Uh, that those are his thoughts. What so? What were your, did, did you listen to the the Dean Ambrose podcast? The I listened with to parts Jericho? of it. What what were kind of I don't know if you if you talked about that on the show before, no. but uh, what were your kind of thoughts on it? Did you do you agree with Seth? Do you think it was presumptuous or? Um, I'm not there. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm not there full time. So. It's really not for me to say. Mm. I can't say, oh, uh, Seth is wrong. Uh, and, you know, um, or anything like that. Because, like, it's, I, I, I'm, like I said, I'm not there. I don't work full, I don't work there full time. I can only go by the, the information that I get. And I don't go digging. Right. You know, like I've said, Denise, you know, you guys on the show, before, like, you know, I can know a lot of things. I choose not to. You know, yeah. I just don't. I don't know. It's weird, weird for me. Sure. It's a weird deal with me on the show, like having the show and, you know, trying to balance out. Yeah, totally. You know, what to talk about on here. Right. Or what to even dig for and, like, what to, you know, like, because everyone wants to have scoops or breaking news or that. And it's just, it's, anyways. Um well, so, is- yeah, about Seth. I can understand why he said that. And, yes, different people are di- are equipped to deal with things different. People are wired different. And, and it's not, um, yeah. I mean, just like some people over the years, you know, had to resort to using substances to get through, you know, mm-hmm. to make it, th- make it through. And some people didn't. And the ones that didn't. Well, go so I don't know why he's got it. I didn't need to do it. Well, you're fucking different, right? You know, you're not wired the same, and and so, yeah. And people have different experiences in that company. Um, you can be working for the company at the same exact time and have a totally different experience. Sure, and I think in in regards to to creative, since a lot of Dean's comments on that podcast were regarding kind of creative and and the stuff that he was given. Yeah. I mean, we've seen enough people in the past, for lack of a better term, turn chick, chicken shit into chicken salad. You know, yeah. if you look at the Undertaker on paper, a wrestling zombie shouldn't work. You know, but here we are, decades later. Yeah. So yeah, everyone's got a different kind of take on it, different experience. Yeah, and so yes, he did. 
choose to take his ball and go elsewhere. Mm-hmm. It's his choice. And I think, yeah, I mean, I think there's there's nothing wrong with that at a certain nope. point, you know? No. Nope. Well, Ty, I'm happy that you brought up the point about turning something into something else because mm. Drew McIntyre also said in another interview, um, I believe this was with Sam Roberts, actually, where he said that he... So last week on the show, we were when we had Road Dog in, we talked a lot about promo, scripting, non-scripting, etc. Okay, so Drew McIntyre also went in further on this, and he basically said that people go online and they read on the internet, oh, WWE wants you to read everything verbatim. He went on and said that this was not true. He also did say that there is a lot of opportunity outside of WWE, but some people aren't willing to put in the work. He also noted that he can't guarantee every guy will become a Drew Galloway which was he what, what he was going by in the Indies, or a Cody Rhodes. So he said, so you might want to start putting the work while you're in WWE. Yes. And he said, stop complaining on Twitter and make it happen because taking the Drew and Cody route doesn't work for everybody. And there's a lot of people that are talented and do deserve more opportunities but aren't putting the work yeah. in. And I got to say, I absolutely agree with this. Sean, do you want to? Absolutely. I mean, because I mean, you just go by by his example of, of you know, Drew himself. Uh, I remember his first run there. I remember seeing him around, and you know, and it was just, and it wasn't like he was bad. It wasn't like that, you know. It was just like bland. Yeah, it was just like <laughs> there was nothing wrong with with Drew Galloway. Right. It's just there could have been way more right, like. Yeah, I mean, just look at how he looks now compared to how he looked then. Like, right. Yeah, and um, so I guess a lot of people might be frustrated, okay? And um, But not everyone is um, not being utilized or like, okay, what I'm saying is, Oh fuck! So I'm sorry. I sometimes, you know, I'm like mm. one of those things again. Um, one person's reasons for being held back might be totally different than others, right? Some people might have a totally legit gripe, like they're bringing it, they're fucking doing everything that they need to do, like they're they're, um, you know. They look the part. Their fucking gear is good. They're like their in ring shit is good. Um, they're, you know, they just for some reason they're just not, you know, being figured into things. And yeah, and then there are some people that think they're doing everything, but they're really not. You know, they're slipping like as far as how they look, their physique. They're, you know, maybe they're just kind of going through. They're they're uninspired once they, you know. Get in the ring. I mean, there's different reasons. Like, sure. not everyone is just being held back. Do you think some of it might have to do with just the sheer volume of people that they have? Absolutely, their absolutely. Mm. Yes. I so. mean, at a, at a certain point, you look at a roster of that yeah. size. You know, you can only yeah. use so many people to fill yeah. these hours of TV. Yeah. And Drew's right. Like, okay, so if if you're <sighs> If you're not happy there, like, you know, I mean, and you go and you take a chance on yourself, like, man, you got to put in the fucking work Mm. like a Drew did or like, and you got to be motivated and like have a plan and focus and like a, like a Cody did. 
Yeah, absolutely. Like, you remember when Cody first decided he was going to leave and go out on his own? Taking bookings for last. Did you see he had a list? That list, yeah. Right? He had a list of people he wanted to have matches with, all these different things, you know? And he, he um, yeah. Yeah, it's wild it's to think just, how different things are now. Yes. Just, yeah, there you know. are different. I guess, well, I guess what I'm trying to get at is there are different reasons for uh, people not doing well, you know, or not having a good experience. Mm-hmm. From what and I- some of it has to do with you, you know, so maybe sometimes not, but a lot of, I, I know, like, uh, for me, um, a lot of the things that I complained about, like when I look back on, like a lot of that had to do with me and my fucking attitude. Right. So, yeah. Anyways. So I was going to say one of the things, speaking of Drew and Cody, they're are an example of these guys who left the company to go pursue something else. You know, obviously Drew probably didn't expect to go back and work for the company, but instead he went out there and just wrestled because we had him here on the show and That's I remember right. him talking about just going out there and wrestling all these guys with different styles and get that because he did those little things or you know those matches here and there that is what added to his confidence what added to his growth where it kind of changed who he was absolutely you know? and I think that was the difference like he had yes. like experience that you can't you can't just I mean you can probably teach but you have to go out there and you have to grab it and I think we saw that in his face and then Cody Rhodes I mean I don't think when he left he knew he was going to be running AEW or something like that obviously not who can predict that but you know again I remember talking about him going out there working for less and just going out there and you know taking whatever opportunities you can and you you would see a guy like Cody and think like okay he should be working at you know charging this price charging yes. this rate but let's face it not every Every promoter, uh, local local yes. level, can afford a guy like that. Yeah. And sometimes some guys that leave the company, you know, they overprice themselves because, you know, they either want to work for more money or whatever it is. But then I, it might be good in the beginning when they just left the company. But afterwards, it's going to die down, yeah. you know, and they're not going to get those opportunities very, very often. So yeah. I just think it was a pretty cool uh, comment that he said because, you know, you just... You just got to go out there. You don't sure. know what's going to happen. And also, uh, and this goes to people that talk about um, working for free or working for, you know, discounted rates and like, oh, I don't sell yourself. Look, there are other things um, of value you can get uh, from going and doing a show uh, besides the payoff. Right. Right? Like getting a buzz out there. But Like I saw Cody and... You know, PWG, they're not, like, I don't think famous for their fucking incredible payoffs. (laughs) Right? Right. So I'm pretty sure Cody had to, you know, adjust his price. Compromise a little bit. Right? Yeah. To go and do, like, a PWG or some of these other things. But it was the value that he got from that, right? Mm -hmm. That he's smart. And a lot of people don't fucking get. Is you get a buzz out there about you. You get people talking about you. You know, and this buzz gets bigger and bigger, and then it turns into something else, right? Yeah. You know, like, eventually, um, you know, I mean, look what the fuck's going on right now. Right. And I think, yeah, it it generated so much interest as he started checking names off that list, going around to different promotions, making those matches happen. Yeah. And, Sean, another example is you don't even have to leave the company because look at Becky Lynch. I don't know. Did any of you guys watch that 24 special on her on the WWE Network? That was really interesting. Basically, they they showed about how, you know, 
her WrestleMania match when she was in the triple threat uh, uh, with Charlotte and uh, and Sasha. Mm. And basically, there was a moment where she was at a convention and Mattel brought out these dolls of the main event, of the WrestleMania moment, right? But they didn't give Becky a doll. She was just excluded. It was all the three girls sitting down, and this comes out in the in the documentary. They give them custom dolls to the two other girls and not Becky, even though she was in that match. So, for example, Sh- Charlotte is Charlotte. She, you know, she's, she's Ric Flair's daughter. She has all of that. She's great and talented. They're all talented, right? Sasha came in with so much hype from NXT, so she had that. Becky always had that something, but she was always like, Losing her spot. Yes. She talked about not being shown on the posters and stuff like that. So what did she do? She just kept working, kept trying something new. She talked about stuff that she did through social media. And that's how she started connecting with the fans. And bam, next thing you know, she's in the first ever uh, women's main event at WrestleMania against Ronda Rousey yeah. and Charlotte. So it was just crazy to me watching that evolution of her and seeing how much she was put down or not put down, but, you know, Look, when you're overlooked, uh, yeah, it's, it's, I, I totally understand what, like, that motivating her. Cause I, yeah, that kind of shit used to piss me off. Yeah. And that's, and I think that, that also kind of goes hand in hand with what we were talking about, about kind of using what you're given. If you look at her NXT debut, she's coming out doing Irish jigs down, down the ramp and in the yeah. ring. And, and, you know, luckily she kept at it and found something that was more true to herself, you know? Yeah, because, oh, <laughs> really? The Irish jig? Yeah. <laughs> the fucking Lord of the Flat? <laughs> fucking Michael, Michael Flatley, Flatley yeah. or whatever the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The Lord of the Flat. <laughs> <laughs> Although I will say, on WWE's perspective with Becky Lynch, it was always a good problem to have that you brought up three very talented people at the exact same time. Mm-hmm. That oh one of them might get lost in the shuffle, so they have to work double as hard to not get lost in the shuffle. So mm-hmm. it's good that so, they all lived okay. up to each other's rising yeah. tide. Hey, so what else? All right, well let's move on. We have another Seth Rollins topic, and it is his Twitter war with Will Osprey, which I did not see coming. When I saw this, <laughs> I was like, Seth Rollins and Will Osprey. Okay, this is going down. All right, so Seth put out a tweet saying, "Doubling down, best pro wrestling on the planet. See that cruiserweight triple threat, and ju- that's just one night, one match amongst the many. Find anyone else alive who does what I do as well as I do as often as I do it. You can't." And then Will actually. Uh, tweeted to him saying I'm alive, basically saying hello I'm here, and Seth Rollins responded with ah, I'm sorry little guy, we already have a better version of you here and he just won his first US title tonight and then congratulated Ricochet and he wrote, keep working hard though buddy, and then uh, Will Ospreay basically wrote back saying he's wrestled more matches than Seth has this year Um, and then basically afterwards he said Osprey said, no talk of money, no talk of ricochet. You just said anyone, here I am, just a contender, just say, um, hope this back heals up. All right? Yeah. Hope your back heals up. Hope the back heals up, excuse me. So, I don't know. What are your thoughts on this? I think fucking, I, what, okay, so I don't have a problem with, and even if I did have a problem with it, who gives a fuck? Um, this Seth coming out there and saying he's the best and that they're the best. I mean, that's what you do. Because um, I imagine kind of came off a little, kind of like a dick, a little bit, you know, and some of that. But like the little buddy so stuff. So what? 
So what? And, and, I, a- and I don't have a problem with either one of them saying what they said. Like, because I, I fucking, Will Ospreay is the fucking shit. I imagine Seth is he, catching. If he, like, like, they're, like, good argument. Really good argument for him being the best on the fucking planet. Hmm. I'm just being fucking brutally honest after watching his shit lately. Even the in-between-the-move shit. He is on a level with fucking that few other people are. 100%. Some people also believe that he's already topped Kenny Omega. Maybe. I think so. Honestly, I think I think he's the most I think he's the most valuable guy New Japan has. I can see That's that. That's not and, Japanese. And I think Seth Rollins is by a fucking long shot. Mm. Seth Rollins is kind of acknowledging that by replying at all because I don't think sure. Seth Rollins would bring would elevate someone to his level. That's a good point. Literally, like I don't think he'd yeah. reply and have these. What feel like spirited jides at yep, each other. Right. But I imagine, yeah, Seth is catching a lot of the shit that you were talking about earlier about, oh, being a company man, towing the company line. He's just towing his, I mean, yeah, he's towing the company line. But mm. I mean, shouldn't you be fucking rooting for the team you're on? Right. And especially since he was talking about that Cruiserweight match. I mean, we'll get into yeah. that, but definitely you know, was a, a, yeah, a point. All right. Yeah. I just think there's a way to do it, and maybe, maybe I don't know if Seth did it the best possible way. He did it the way he did it, and True. he's he's that it's him. So we can talk about oh, maybe he could have did it. He's just being him, you know, for better or worse. You can like it or not like it. He has a pretty good like fucking argument. He's one of the best out there. Yeah, I think out of one of the elites, out of any of the criticisms that people might have, I definitely don't think he's ever, ever one of them, you know? Yeah. Well, I think somebody, uh, a fan, told him, like, oh, you need to dial it down. And Seth basically responded, like, no, I'm I'm going to dial it up. Yeah. Yeah. So fucking do it. I use it to whatever the fuck he feels like. Mm hmm. Well, Sean, I could only imagine, you know, for example, being being Seth Rollins right now in his position, and there's obviously a lot of people who are probably tweeting at him, telling him, like, oh, your stuff's not great, or whatever the people are. Can you imagine getting negative, negative, negative tweets thrown at you all the time when you're going out there and you're working your butt off, etc.? You know, I'm assuming at some point you're going to want to say something back, and I think that's something along the lines that he mentioned was saying, like, oh, we need, uh, we need to start fighting back or start saying something back, somewhere along those lines. He said that. Yeah. So yeah, so yeah. Basically, my feelings are this doesn't. This is just fine, you know. I mean, people. It's just back and forth bantering, big, you know, shit talking. I I don't know. Um, so we're fifty one minutes in already. Okay. All right. Um, so yeah, what was that? Fuck. You were just basically saying they could. They're they're both doing their so, thing. Yeah, no. um, Two professionals, playful. So yeah, okay. Um, big fan of both of them. Yep. All right. And and also, hey, I did, like not gonna get, you know, dive into this, but like th- I did read a bit of a, a letter that uh, something that that Osprey put out talking about his depression and and you know, and um, good. I'm glad he did that. Uh, um, it's good to do that kind of thing when you're 
sure. when you're dealing with shit like that. And I think wrestling... And it also just, like, sheds light on it for everyone else that might be going through similar things, you know? Exactly, yeah. I think that people in wrestling are breaking down that stigma, uh, you know, of of um, having, you know, their own kind of struggles with mental health. Mm-hmm. Um, and wrestling can definitely be so isolating and so kind of, you know, and rough also on also, the people that are brilliant at the things they do are um, quite often fucked up in the head. Yeah. They're so, hard on themselves, yes, too. yes. So, um, yeah, no, I just like su- nothing but support for like anyone that, like, you know, wants to share their their stories like that, you know. Um, okay, all right, enough. Do you want to go on our break and then come back? Yeah, with we're our gonna guests? go on a break and um, and we're gonna get this a lot of shit, but uh, um. Next segment, we're going to have John Arezzi on to talk about his new podcast, Pro Wrestling Spotlight. And uh, we had John on as a few months back. And so, like, I'm really glad that he got things rolling now. So, uh, we'll be right back in just about two seconds. Welcome back, everyone. And joining us over the phone right now uh, from Long Island, New York, uh, he's a friend of mine. And um, he is, well, he was the host of, uh, what's it? let me just, okay. A lot of people know uh, this man and Vince Russo had a, a radio show back in the day. And uh, then uh, um, they, had a, they had a split and... Uh, John was the first guy like that ran the big pro wrestling convention, and I was I was at one of them, and uh, um, and now John has a uh, has a podcast with uh, the great Brian Last, and it it goes back and revisits some of the uh, pro wrestling spotlight shows, um, and uh, so he's here to talk about that. John Arezzi, everyone, all right, boy. Boy, what a discombobulated fucking uh, <laughs> intro that was for you. Sorry about that, John. It was just rambling fucking aimlessly. Hey, listen. No problem. <laughs> we, all, we all travel a lot. Things happen. And I'm just very grateful for being invited uh, back on your show, which uh, now, you know, been addicted to. I listen to every single episode. Do and, you really? Uh, I, wow. I do. I love your show. I listen to Conan's show. Uh, I, I mean, I have a handful that I have to listen to every week. Uh, John, the thing I, is, I enjoy them. Man. The, the thing is, is great like, job. Is the thing is, is I would not blame you at all for not listening. <laughs> There's so much out there to fucking listen to. There's a lot. So, like, I appreciate that. It means a lot to me, man. Well, because it's honesty. It's like it's you know what what I what I've discovered, especially with shows like yours and Conan's and. It's not like all the other stuff that's out there because there's so much of the same stuff. Yeah. And when I put together this with Brian, the Pro Wrestling Spotlight Then and Now podcast, I thought about what's going to make it different. All right, we're going to go back into the archives, and, and the show's format is going back 30 years to listen to the original Pro Wrestling Spotlight show from 30 years ago, talking about it, the behind-the-scenes, and so it made it different, and that's what I really love about your show and Conan's. And I listen to Cornette. Uh, I, I think Cornette is just just 
just one of the most uh, great <laughs> talkers there yeah. ever been in the business. And he holds nothing back. And if he has a beef with you, he's going to freaking call you out. So uh, that's what I love about it. But a lot of the other stuff is all the same. So that's why with the shows that you're doing and some of the others, and, and when I entered the fray of, you know, hundreds and hundreds of these things, it was like, how are we going to make it different? Uh, but it really is a historical look at what happened back in the business 30 years ago. And you got to remember that I was kind of the first guy uh, to do a weekly call-in talk show with guests that centered around pro wrestling. And yeah. I was fortunate enough to be able to bring on some amazing guests throughout the entire history of the show, which went from uh, 89 through 1996. Uh, so we're in the very beginning stages of the shows. And I haven't heard any of these shows in 30 years. So, um, oh, wow. We started so, it as a case. Yes, go ahead, Sean. No, I was just going to say, so, so some of this stuff, like when you actually are recording the shows, it's the first time you've heard that in, in, in all that time? In 30 years. Because I don't uh, want to get too far ahead. Gotcha. Because yeah. I want to be, I want to be surprised, and I want to, I want to hear the chaos. Because uh, the beginning shows of pro wrestling spotlight like, were, were, I was trying to go, I was trying to have it all kayfabe. Yeah. Uh, and then it kind of evolved in August of '89 when Ricky Steamboat left the NWA and came on out of character to talk about what happened with the uh, the actual negotiations with Jim Hurd, and then yeah. Jim Hurd came on the following week. And that's when the show took a different spin. Now, and then there was no turning back. Okay, so when Ricky came on and, and he was talking about stuff that usually you don't hear being talked about, um, but, like, did he still keep kayfabe when it comes came to the match, you know, like the, the workings of the matches and things like that? Yeah, his appearance on that particular episode were to do nothing but talk about the contract. Gotcha. And why he left and why he got screwed. But, I mean, he was on previous episodes in character because that was when he had that phenomenal series with Flair in 89. Yeah. Uh, and he lost the title. I mean, I was just listening to this week's episode with my nephew here uh, on Long Island. We were listening to, uh, you know, the night that he uh, lost the title back to Flair and when Terry Funk came in and they Nashville. started that angle, which turned into the greatest summer of wrestling that I could remember. Yeah, that was Nashville. The Wrestle War, right? That was Nashville. That was Nashville. Yes, yeah. it was. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, just just looking at the, you know, I'm just going to, you know, the guest list of, of the shows we even got coming up in the future, the next several weeks are, you know, a who's who. Lou Fez, Bruno San Martino, Killer Kowalski, Bobo Brazil, uh, Stu Hart, Freebird, How is Stu Cornette, Hart? How Paul was Lee, that? What's that? How was Stu Hart? <laughs> how, how, how was... Oh, how was my God. I haven't heard it back yet. I do <laughs> have a little bit of recollection that, that it was, it's going to be an interesting show because Stu was Stu. Yeah. So, uh, uh, and I was, you know, the only time that I ever had him on the show. But, you know, it was quite amazing to me at the quality of guests. And I'd bring Dave Meltzer on regularly, right yeah. from episode one. And we didn't insult anyone's intelligence. Uh, but I was trying to... I was trying to actually walk a tightrope on, on not insulting people, but staying in character. Yes. Uh, I lost cooperation from the WWF immediately. Why? Because my second, uh, my second, they gave me Jimmy Hart in the first show. 
which debuted April 9th, 89. And then the second week I had Bruno on. And Bruno didn't have any, you know, didn't have very many complimentary <laughs> things about it. And in this episode, even today, it was Captain Lou Albano. So they just shut me down, like, immediately, and they didn't cooperate again. Uh, and then in 1991, they cooperated for one week and gave me Freddie Blassie. Why did they do that? What was in it for them? Uh, because that, that was when the scandals had broken on the steroid side, the Zaharian uh-huh. trial, and McMahon called... Uh, a meeting, uh, and he invited me and Meltzer and Wade Teller and a couple of other uh, journalists that were, you know, covering it. And he basically brought us in to say, you know, covering the business can be fun. You know, we should all work together. We we all should work together on, you know, not tearing down the business that we all are employed in. Yeah. Uh, so he did a, you know, a PR job with us, and and then you know, lo and behold, I remember like, when that happened. You know, I got Freddie Blassie. And, yeah. and that was amazing. And then, and then more scandals were breaking, and that was the end of it. Mm-hmm. I'll be damned. So who are the like? So tell me, like, okay, so the first episodes, um, uh, like, what are the? Like, tell me what what we have coming up, though, John. Uh, yeah, in this episode that that we just dropped on Sunday because we're we're dropping the shows every Sunday yeah. the way the show used to air, same time and all. Uh, so this particular episode, I had. Uh, a guest that included Captain Lou Albano. I had Mike Rotunda on. Had George Napolitano on. Oh wow! Uh, nice. Iron Iron Sheik uh, as well. Uh, and and then you know we had uh, you know the beginning stages. And I, I'm laughing every week because the show was a was chaotic. I had a lot of indie wrestlers from the New York Long Island area that were in the studio, like the Power Twins, if that name sounds familiar to you. Of course. Uh, and, and they came in, basically, and, and, and overtook the show for the first four or five weeks and were bullying callers, and it was, it was becoming really embarrassing for me. And, and then they did something to... Uh, to, uh, uh, to there was an uh, organization uh, for the visually impaired on Long Island that they made fun of, and... I had to apologize, and they got barred. Oh, so the first five or six episodes were, you know, great guests, but also chaotic. And then, huh. you know, as of show seven, which airs uh, next week, uh, it becomes uh, a little bit more of a quality show, and yeah. that's when we bring Lou Fez on for a phenomenal interview. And then, uh, you know, show eight, which is going to air next a week from Sunday, Killer Kowalski, Sergeant Slaughter, uh, and then it starts to really find its way. But it's, a, it's an amazing look back at 30 years ago, uh, listening to all these lost episodes. Uh, and, it's, uh, and, and it's just really an historic look of, of really the first uh, weekly radio talk show that focused on pro wrestling that had amazing guests. And it turned into a tear the curtain down, you know, show yeah. that like everyone does today. Huh. So, hey, so on, on the... On these earlier ones, are, is Russo still involved? Russo wasn't involved with me until the end of 91. Oh, okay. So these shows are from 89. Yeah, I met Russo. Russo was, uh, I was introduced to Russo by a listener. Uh, Russo had a video store on Long sure. Island, and this is back in, this is 91, and, and, and he came on as an advertiser. Oh, that's right. Initially. Of course. We, like, we went in, I'm sorry, John, we actually went into that. No problem. On the, on, with the first time you were on the show. This is my fucking brain yeah. fart. That's all. So, <laughs> no yeah. problem. So like, so and, and, and like, and then anyone in future in future episodes, there'll be some stuff with, like that. Russo was involved in. You just haven't gotten there yet. 
yeah, it'll come in uh, gotcha. three years. Wow, oh my god, <laughs> two, two and a half years. I got enough. I got enough content, Sean, for these shows. These shows will last literally for six or seven years. Wow, have enough weekly episodes to cover six or seven years. So, are you ever tempted, like when you go back and think of like your favorite? Uh, interviews and your favorite episodes. Are, are you ever tempted to like go out a sequence and just like, like you know, go right to to those? Or are you just pretty, yeah. pretty much gonna just I'm stick tempted. with the? I'm, I'm tempted, but I'm not gonna do it. Good, nice. Because I wanted to be surprised. When you hear the show, if anyone who uh, may have heard it or may want to check it out, uh, you're gonna be fascinated. The, the reviews that we've gotten, because it's so different and because it's so. People are saying it's charming, and people are saying it's unlike anything I've ever heard. There's a lot of laughs. There's a lot of fun. Uh, you know, the, the the guests are compelling and they're funny. And you know, Captain Lou is always great. I yeah. mean, it's just. And then Meltzer starts to come on, and we and and the fans really get an an opportunity to hear. You know, some of the things when Turner just bought the NWA, and it's just a really a, a really crazy look back at what happened 30 years ago. It's like reliving it wow. for me. It's almost like. Uh, and I and I'm saying it every week. I get flashbacks of what happened that week and what that show was when I'm hearing it again for the first time. And for Brian Last, who's probably one of the the best interviewers or co-hosts that anyone can have, Brian is just pulling stuff out of me, and it's almost like he's my psychiatrist every week. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a because fan of analyzing his. analyzing everything. Yeah, I'm a fan of his. Like we were talking about before, like that was the guy I thought like would probably be the best fit for you when we were talking before. I really enjoy his stuff with that he does. With, uh, I think he does a great job with Cornette and uh, oh and, yeah, and like his 605 podcast. I really enjoy that. You know, like I, it's not yeah, like he's I, got the 605. Yeah, I don't yeah, like he's got, to, he's got about six of them. I don't like listen to anything all the time. But I when when I get around to it, it's 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 one of the ones I enjoy. Like I you know I enjoy listening and talking about like the old TBS show. You know it's pretty cool, and you get to yeah. hear and you get to hear the you know in the intro you get to hear that. Remember the song that the 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 fucking theme song at the beginning of WC. Oh yeah. Yeah, and you yeah. know that once you hear that theme song, you know you're about ready to take another crazy ride with yeah. Ryan Lass on the 605. I mean, and it's a long one. I mean, he comes out with them about every month, I think, yeah. because they're three to four hours in length. Hey, have you like? I wonder if anyone's ever asked you this. You know, so like a lot of podcasts these days are doing live shows. Have you thought about how that would how that would work? doing something like that for, you know, like... Yeah, yeah, Sean, I mean, since we talked last, and I was just kind of, you know, messing around with historic content I was putting up on Twitter, and, you know, the Facebook, I started a Facebook group, but but things have evolved for me in such a dramatic way since our last phone call that, yeah, I'm thinking about a lot of things. You know, next year's the 30-year anniversary uh-huh. of uh, the first weekend of Champions, and so I want to kind of maybe do something there. But on a more intimate level, uh, there's a book that is now in the works uh, about my life. And, uh, and and I have a publisher that, you know, I'm waiting for the last uh, phase of the contract this week. i uh, got a co-writer lined up, and it's going to be a story about my life from in the days of pro wrestling. But also the fact that I have two identities. I know, that's so crazy. (laughs) Because I'm John Alexander in Nashville, the music marketing guy. 
so the publisher is like, you have a fascinating life. I mean, you've lived two totally different lives under two totally different names. Yeah. Yeah. John, I'm even doing two. I'm, I think take, I, I'm even doing two. I, I do. A, I do a music podcast in Nashville. That's under my other name. Wow! I, I think <laughs> I told. I, I think I told you. I thought. I thought maybe you had passed away or something. I hadn't heard. Like I just hadn't heard anything about you in fucking forever. You know, 20, 20, 23 years I was gone. Twenty three yeah, years. And then uh, when I saw you pop up, I was so fucking happy. I was so happy you popped back up. Thank you. Yeah. Hey, so John, you know, not to like get off the subject of the. Um, of the podcast, but I'm kind of curious. Is there like, have you gotten the itch to do another convention? Uh, like I, I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking about doing a more intimate type of events yeah. that are not going to be crazy, like WrestleCon or some of the others. But yes. you know, bringing five or five or six people together, some dealer tables, uh, but to have a, a dinner Q and A meet and greet. And keep it manageable yeah. and keep it intimate uh, and not look for thousands of people, but maybe look for a few hundred people more at of, these events. And more of like a VIP A lot of people are doing these little, these, these little theater deals, too. Yeah. Which, uh, uh, and because I have all of this, all these films and videos and photographs, and uh, I think, you know, the rollout, I mean, what, what, what this year has turned into for me, because so many things are starting to happen uh, on the wrestling front, that I am... Uh, I'm spending this year building the audience. Yeah. I'm building the social media. I'm building the uh, the audience for the podcast, which is doing really amazing things in just a few weeks. And then in 2020, that's when the book will come out. That's when some of the live events will be planned. And there's also, um, I'm in discussions with some television people right oh, now, nice. which uh, is kind of blowing me away because of the history that I have. So, uh, all of this has happened, you know, pretty serendipitously. Uh, I wasn't seeking any of it, but opportunities are coming, and and I welcome them because you know if I'm going to leave a legacy for the you know 40 plus years on and off that I've been in pro wrestling, I mean, why not share the the, the history with everybody out there and give them yeah. something that they can kind of like feel good about and like, wow, this was a this evolution of this yeah. business has you know come a long way, but. Wow, those old days were really good. Yeah, and also your 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 film and photo archive is just insane. And I was wondering if you found a home for all that. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, you know, I, I have been in discussions with WWE, uh, you know, with their uh, with their network, uh, but you know that was dragging on and dragging on, and then there is no communication. I I know they have an interest in it, but you know, and yeah. I think they don't want anyone else to have it. I but just here's my concern. Here, here's, made an offer. Here, right. Here's my concern with that, uh, John. Is that like um, that? It just gets just that. Just gets archived, and no one ever fucking sees it. You know, like that shit yeah. needs to be seen. Oh, it, it, and it will be because you know. Even though I thought that would be a really good home in the beginning, and uh, who knows what the future holds, but I want people to see this stuff. I want them to live it. And uh, I started a brand called Matt Memories, which is kind of going to be the focal point of yeah. 2020, and everything's going to be around Matt Memories. And, uh, you know, if I don't cut a TV deal, uh, then I'm going to start a uh, private member site where every month people are going to see these 10, 15-minute stories, these Matt Memories about yeah. what happened back in the day. And then you share the, the photos, the films, the audio, 
and there'll be nice little mini documentaries on an event that happened years ago. Wow. John, are yeah. you surprised at how many people took interest in everything that you were doing? Were you a little bit like worried in the beginning, but now hearing all of these great responses that you've gotten back, like, what are your thoughts on that? Well, you never know how you're going to be, uh, how you're going to be uh, taken when you come back after such a long absence like I was. But what warmed my heart was the fact that guys like Sean and Conan and Sabu and Mick Foley and so many were so happy to see me back. And the fans, the fans have just blown me away. The people that followed me and my demographic is older than most. I mean, my demographic is really a, a, a fan that's over the age of 40 who remembers who remembers me. Yeah. All the rest under 40 are, are now discovering me. Yeah. And that's a slower process. But, uh, you know, the very first caller I ever had on Pro Wrestling Spot, Spotlight was a guy, Adam, from Long Beach, New York. And he just reached out to me on Twitter because he heard the podcast. And he was like, oh, my God, I was the first caller. Well, what are you doing now, Adam? Well, I'm an attorney in, I'm an attorney in Florida. Yeah. So they're out there. And, it, and it's really kind of like crazy amazing to me yeah. that – all of these people have responded and the reviews on iTunes and just the tweets and the response on social media uh, just really is like, wow, these people just remember and they appreciate it because I kind of kind of smartened people up back in the day, you know, not knowing that that was going to be a legacy of mine from those yeah. early days. But now as a historian and a storyteller on those days um, is kind of where I found my niche. Yeah, so John, you know, as far as like guys you know, like, you know, the McFoley's, my, myself, you know, any, just all the different people like um, that responded when you came back around, it's like, okay um, especially back around that time, there was a lot of shitty people involved in wrestling and so whenever you found one of the really good ones and you encountered them. You didn't fucking forget it, John. And that's you. So um, there's just Thank you. such so many pieces of shit in wrestling, right? Like back then. So, yeah. Like I said, man, like yeah. it was just such a fucking. Even the good guys were shady. Even the best of, of us yeah. were shady back then. Bless his heart, Dennis well, Carluzzo. Sean, I love Dennis, but Jesus Christ. Well, Sean, I mean, I mean, I, I left. I left because I didn't like who I became. I mean, I was a good guy and all that, and I tried my very best. But when you're when you're dealing with people, and you know you, and there were a lot of shady people back then, uh, and I just didn't like what I'd become. And I was like, I got to get out of here. I got to get out of this. Yeah, the shady. And, and I did. That's why I changed. That's why I changed my name. Yeah. And I was like, I'm done. The shady. And then I had a John. successful career in Nashville, but now I'm back and. So uh, I've learned a lot. John, know? I was just going to say the shadiness and all that gets normalized. Like it becomes like a normal thing. Yeah. And it's just like, oh, my God, what the fuck? Like you said, what am I becoming? Yeah. Yeah. yeah and it's not, a, it's not a good place. Wow. Yeah. So, okay. And anything else you guys want to? Just excited, by the way, John. Yeah. Side note, thank you so much for sending me that photo of you and Taylor Swift. I was like, oh, ah! yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was looking at yeah. it right before you logged on. I, I was like, your... I need to thank him for this. <laughs> when I saw your Twitter and I was like, well, I knew Taylor and, you know, and I figured I'd send that along to you. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm still in Nashville. Um, I'm here in Long Island visiting family. I got a little apartment here now because I come here really often. 
and then in Nashville, I'm still doing all my music stuff. I'm I'm still running my company, and and I'm still doing artist development, and and uh, and it's kind of these two really weird existences right now for me because. You know, when you meld them together, and when my book comes out, it's going to cover both of the lives and also my life in baseball with the Mets. Um, it's going to be a pretty fascinating journey on uh, on a guy who who maybe is a little bit schizophrenic and has yeah. a few different personalities. Hey, did we ever talk about when Will Pond, when the one Will Pond tried to start the wrestling thing? And I got like, no, yeah, what the, the oh, oh, what the what one of them? Oh shit. And I met with him down in down in Sarah's not not Sarah Tarpon Springs or something. Anyways, one of the Will Ponds. He was old. He was really old. And then like the rest of the family yeah. got mad because he was going to put all this money in wrestling, and it was crazy. Milton wow. is it Milton? Well, is it Milton Will Pond? Like, oh fuck. Anyways, yeah, that was. Uh, well, I mean, uh, I mean, well, Will Pond owns the Mets. I mean, his son uh, Jeff and Fred Will Pond are the guys that own the Mets. Um, but if they were going to get into wrestling, that would have been fascinating. It, it was another well pond. Anyways, whatever. Yeah. Um, I just remember, okay. I was, it was just brought up memories of me going to, uh, Shea stadium with George and Politano and freaking, uh, ah, Tony Rumble. I'll see George, uh, I'll see George <laughs> this weekend at the, at the, at yeah. the 50th anniversary of the 69 Mets. So I know I'll see George this well, weekend. Well, give him a hug for me. Hey, John, hey, John, when are you coming out to LA? So we can get you. Um, I would love to come out to LA, and uh, that may be in the very near future because I, uh, you know, as this thing expands and opportunities present itself, yeah. uh, I would love to come out just to visit you guys and and come on your set and 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 just kind of sit there with you and and it would be my pleasure. I mean, and I love LA because I, I visited LA so many times from my days in the music business. Yeah, I mean, I really here. really love that area it's great here especially if you have great people around you so yeah any hey so hey so where can we where can everyone like find a podcast that's probably not too hard to find no they're everywhere it's john arezzi's pro wrestling spotlight then and now uh there's a website it's uh pwspod.com there's a patreon where you hear all the shows unedited in their entirety at patreon.com slash Arezzi, and then on my social media, uh, I have the Twitter uh, at John Arezzi, Instagram at John Arezzi, and I have a private member group on Facebook, uh, John Arezzi's Matt Memories, which is we picked up seventy new uh, members yesterday. Oh shit! Uh, I how know. Come, it's how come we're not like doing Patreon, you guys? There are millions of impressions <laughs> now. Oh wow! Hey, so hey, thank you, John, and. Um, uh, thank you, thank you, guys. thank you all. I appreciate so much. And uh, one of these days, Sean, I like to get you on, uh, uh, you know, on my show. But it won't be until you appear for that first. Time. I was just <laughs> hey, any time, John, any time. When does when does my show come up? A couple years from now? Yeah, you actually are. In, I believe you're in. Uh, well, actually, no, it's in '92. Yeah. Yeah, it's me. Yeah. It's me, yeah. Missy Hyatt, and Jason Hervey from Scores, and Alex Marvez, and Alex, Alex Marvez, Marvez. Sorry, Alex from Scores. Yeah, so, yeah, right. at Scores. <laughs> all right. Well, hey, John, but, uh, thank you so much, man. Thank you, guys. Thank I appreciate you. it. Hey, have an awesome day, John. John Arezzi, everyone, for Wrestling Spotlight. Yeah.
Thank you, John. Thank you, guys. I'll talk to you soon. Have an awesome day, man. I'm trying to jump on his private group. They have some really difficult questions yeah. to join. There's three huh. really, <laughs> like, really of-the-time questions. Hey, so should we take another break here or what? It's up to you. Yeah, let's take a break real quick. Okay. Re- let's reset for a second. All right. All right, we're back. And, um, nice little conversation with John Arezzi. And uh, so now we're back to... Uh, we're going to talk about stomping grounds a little bit. Yeah. And first of all, everyone, this is not a review. So like, I don't need to hear in the comment section, oh, the fuck. It's not a review because I didn't see the whole show. But there were things that I saw and I want to comment on them. And uh, one is like, okay, the sh- stomping grounds didn't really have a whole lot of buzz. Like, I didn't even know it was a fucking pay-per-view. It kind of came out of nowhere. Yeah. Well, this was what was originally Backlash, I believe, right? I don't know. Yeah. You tell me. I'll take your <laughs> word for it. Yeah, I think I think that's what it was. I think that's why that's why it might have kind of seemed like it came out of nowhere. Yeah, I had no idea. And also, um it I get the impression that wasn't a ton of writing put into it. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean I mean it was I, such a I short mean that build. in a good way. Right. Like, it was just, okay, like, here's some, you know, matches with a little story behind it, but not, like, it wasn't too fucking, like, I don't know if convoluted's the right word. It mm. just... It's like quickly put... Because even, like, the Ricochet-Joe thing, that was put yeah. on, like, I think the bra that was here at the Staples Center, Ricochet had just won the match to even be in the match. Yeah. So, yeah, it was, like, very quick. Mm. Yeah. Uh, but, and isn't it always the case with these where, um, you know, you go into a pay-per-view with low expectations and... uh and they over deliver. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 And that's been the case with like even like more than one WrestleMania I can think of, like where people were going into it, like, uh, this is you know, we're not too excited about this. And then like afterwards people are raving about it. So uh yeah. I'm a big fan of less, you know, you know, just a more simplistic fucking presentation of sure. a show like this. Well, and I think to that point, I mean, if if we can just jump right off with that that cruiserweight title match on the pre-show, yes. you know, it, it's one of those things where you could tell the crowd wasn't necessarily feeling it at first, yeah. and by the end of it, they're going absolutely yeah. nuts because that match was phenomenal. It was excellent. Um, for me, though, as as someone watching at home, the fucking leg slaps took me right out of it. Sure. And that's a shame because like those guys had a hell of a match. But man, like so um I'm not one of the, I'm, first of all, I'm not an anti leg slap guy. Okay, I'm not like I just think it needs to be there's plenty of guys do it, I don't even see them doing it. Even if I'm looking. Mm. All right. So like that's not the problem. It's when it's blatantly obvious. You know, it's not the cam. It's not the director and the camera guy's job to to not pick that up. It's your job to do it uh, in a manner that they can't see on the on the camera, right? You know, on TV at home, and and in that respect, um, you know, eh, really, yeah. Like I said, it's a crying shame because hell of a match, hell of a match. 
I like that everybody's talking about this match, obviously. But one of the things I do want to point out is that there has been a lot of really good cruiserweight matches. Like, yes. Buddy Murphy has been killing it. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, let's not forget that Buddy Murphy is also one of those guys that's just going out there and killing it. So I'm kind of glad that this match is also kind of shining light on yeah. that and saying, like, hey, guys, like, this isn't, like, like the pre-show, like, it's kind of seen as like, oh, you're not in the main card, but this is like That's... when someone's talking about the match that was on the pre-show. Right. Look, if you're not in the main event, might as well be on first because you get a fresh crowd. They're not all worn yeah. out, and you know it's like a fresh canvas to paint on. So, um, yeah, all that pre- like if you're getting paid the same and all that, yeah, like try not to let that get you know. Sure. Because, like, you know, in, in people's heads, they get, I remember one time, uh, for example, um, people can get real caught up with where they are on the card, listed-wise, right? Mm. And I was, I was, we were in a house show, WCW house show, and I was, I was wrestling Eddie Guerrero. And uh, we were, like, real late in the night. We weren't the main event, but we were, like, really, like... On real late, and I had the match moved up, like so we could get on earlier, get you know a fresher crowd, all of that, you yeah. know, get you know get our take a shower and get dressed and you know ready for the rest of the evening, you know, a little earlier than normal. Boy, fuck, Eddie got pissed off. Oh yeah, he thought it was like some kind of a demotion, like it was like you know the match had less um, prestige, prestige because right. I got it put on earlier. It's like what. So you did you it without telling him first, or yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because yeah, like, I can't, I could not imagine anyone like actually fucking feeling that way. Right. <laughs> it's just like I see his perspective, though. You know, like sometimes you you think that way. Like you know, the more further deep, okay, you're, it's just growing better and better. You know, fuck so. out of here. <laughs> I love you, Eddie, and I miss you, but fuck out of here with that. <laughs> It's the middle of the card that gets lost. You remember God, the yeah. So did you, how right. did you calm him down when he was mad? I don't remember even trying. <laughs> That's funny. Well, he got over it, and we had a good hell of a match. I'm so. sure he was thankful for it later once he I don't did all think those so. things. Oh, okay, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> never mind. <laughs> but, uh, but with that, yeah, with, with that, that triple threat, I'm excited yeah. to see where they go with Drew Gulak now with kind of a that, yes. bigger focus on him. And congratulations, Drew Gulak. Definitely. I'm a big Drew Gulak fan, so I'm happy for him. Yeah, there's not he a lot of people that. doing what, what Drew does out there. Yeah. yeah, and so like when you think of cruiserweights, like automatically you're thinking of people flying through the air with the greatest of ease. And not like the submission specialist that keeps it on the on the ground. Right, and I think it's perfect. Absolutely, yes. I like the the heel cruiserweight champion that doesn't fly around. Yeah, the no fly zone. That's, yeah. that's such a great uh, yeah. approach to it for sure. Yeah. All right, so now we're kicking off with the first match on the main card, which was Becky Lynch defeating Lacey. So, um, what did you think about this match? It was fine. There were some rough spots in it. Yeah. I think personally, I think Lacey. I think her char- character-wise, like all the character work, is fucking phenomenal. It's when the bell rings. Mm. She's yeah. I, I, I there's some like she, I, I. It seemed like Becky was having a little bit of a hard time out there. 
I a think couple you could of times see her frustration yes. a little bit. And I don't, yeah. I mean, I, obviously she wasn't trying to show it, but when you're frustrated, it probably just comes out. But I think that this, the, 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 because Lacey Evans, um, because her, her in-ring skills aren't as strong as her, her mic skills or her personal pers- yes. persona skills. It kind of takes away, I think, from the interest of the fans because we are used to seeing Becky in matches with Charlotte, with Ronda, etc. So you kind of don't take it as seriously. Yes. And I think that takes away from it because I really, really like the whole the man written and you know, Lacey's talking about being the perfect yes. lady. It's a very great storyline, especially right now with like the political climate and all of that stuff. So I think that's the only thing that's really taken away from this match and I think from their thing. So I think that that's one of the things that, you know, just yeah. kind of bow through. Yeah. Okay. All right. So uh, moving on, uh, let's talk about the uh, Ricochet defeating Samoa Joe and winning the U.S. title. Yeah. Yeah, I yes. absolutely loved this. I When you get guys in there, Samoa Joe, uh, to me, is, is one of those guys that uh, there's not a lot of guys that are as believable as Joe is, you know, both on the mic and in the ring. And I think when he's in there with someone like Ricochet, uh, it's such they I think their styles complement each other in such a way that um that uh yeah it's it's always great stuff. Yeah, hmm. I wanted to point out that this match actually reminded me of Samoa Joe, AJ Styles from TNA because you know he's you know he's beating them down, beating them down and all of a sudden he does all these like spectacular moves and that's kind of what I saw from this match here and I just thought that this was going to be like for Ricochet to now have the title, he can now go on to have like more different opponents, but also he's in a position where he can grow um, to more of a star. Yeah. yeah. And I really, like, okay, um, did anyone see like leading up to, oh, that was on Raw, right? Okay. I'm, fuck, I'm skipping ahead here. <laughs> okay, no, I'll just talk about his yeah, promo. Did you see his promo on Raw? Mm. His backstage interview segment? Who's Samoa Joe's? No, Ricochet. Ricochet's not that. Yes. It was it was very like um it was just like a normal, like likable guy fucking out there talking. And and it was nothing special. There was it didn't seem like it could could have like it did not seem scripted at all. Like there was some it just seemed like there were some bullet points like that he hit and it just it came off. It wasn't really smooth. It was just it, it, I thought it was really effective at making him, you know, likable. I mean, it's already he's already likable. Yeah, you know, just based on his the way he goes out there and fucking kills it every night. But. And I think that's such an interesting point: the fact that it's that lack of smoothness makes yeah. it feel more authentic. You know, because if if you look at, at tapes, you know, from from decades ago, guys weren't going out there having every single syllable completely memorized especially me yeah there were there were those little pauses and those little ticks and those those things that are there when you're having a real conversation with people uh i think yeah especially like when you're having one and you know a camera is on you recording it like it's it just makes it like it's almost impossible to be your normal self if you know there's a camera on you absolutely you can think otherwise all you want but like it's just about fucking impossible i don't know what you're talking about so, yeah <laughs> uh, do you think we're gonna see samoa joe move up to the title picture now maybe work with kofi what do you think i hope so i hope so he deserves it he's done like he's proved himself and uh and like and so 
And let's talk about this match, too, and also his match with Rey Mysterio and, and the fact that Samoa Joe at 270 or whatever he is, 260, mm. he's a big old dude, and he, he really knows how to um, to have a match with the smaller guy. Yeah. Yeah, and that's, uh, especially in this day and age when there's so many guys that are smaller that if you know how to have a match with the smaller guy, you can make a lot of money with them. You know, you can, like like Scott Hall, for instance. Um, Scott could work with, he was huge. He's a big old motherfucker, you know, 6'7", six, six, whatever, mm. three hundred, almost 300 pounds, 280. Um, but he could work with me, believably. He could work with... Um, he could work with Ray Ray. He could, and and he could also work with Yoko, Big Show. Ray, you know, I mean, you name it. And there's an art to that. And I think Joe's really good at that. Mm. So, all right, moving. Because I did. I'm sorry, I didn't oh, mean. Okay. I did hear like <laughs> I did see Josh Barnett like tweeting about how how Samoa Joe was wrestling Ricochet and it was totally unbelievable. Really? Yeah, because he's so much smaller, and I just couldn't disagree with you more on that, Josh. And I'm like I, I totally respect Josh's opinion. Like, sure. If it was a fight, yeah, obviously. But I mean, whatever. I just I I thought it was just fucking fine. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. All right. Yeah. Uh, do we want to talk about Roman Reigns defeating Drew McIntyre? Do we think that it was the right call to have Roman win, or maybe she should have had Drew win? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, just thought, I just thought that it was the wrong call just so that we can have start having Drew maybe start getting pushed so that eventually he can work with Seth down the yes, line. Yes, Drew need I I would have liked to have seen uh, Drew win that. Yeah. Mm. I don't know what the thinking is there. I obviously they know what the thinking is. So, you know, there must have been a reason for it. It looks to me they want to continue with Roman and Drew and Roman and Shane. Right. Then, well, if that was the case, you would think maybe Drew would get the fucking win on that. One. <laughs> like, yeah. Where I don't know. When Roman gets the win, I we all breathed a relief, meaning oh maybe Roman will move on to something else. Right. Exactly. And then on Raw, he doesn't. Right. It that's oh. that's the frustration and like wrestling fandom's a unique experience that no other TV show do you feel that way. Sure. But wrestling, you you see that happen on the booking, and you're like, I don't like this. Yes. Right. All right. I'd I'd love to see a program between Roman and Drew just left to their own devices, just one on one, two hosses, you know? It was a good match. I think that was one of the things that Absolutely. the fans didn't like was the interference. Right. I think they felt like maybe it was a little too much or it kinda of took away from that. But sure. yeah, but overall though they put on a good match together. Yeah. All, All right. right, everyone. Yeah. Um so I didn't really see the all of Kofi and and Dolph's cage match. I didn't see uh, enough of Seth or and Baron, mm. so basically um, <laughs> that's pretty much it. <laughs> How was it? Well, the Kofi I saw the finish. Match. I saw the cage match finish. The cage finish was great. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, it was yeah, good. yeah for sure. Yeah, I was told that there was no screens in the arena, so people couldn't really see what was happening. Like, because you know the cage is obviously mm. going to disrupt your view of you're there live. Yeah. So I think that probably led to the crowd be not being as interested in this match. But you were watching on TV; it was fine. But I think for the, I think there was a little disconnect with the with the live audience okay. on this one here. And then um, uh, the the main event, Seth and Baron and Baron Corbin uh, with Lacey as the referee um, it was clever to have her as the ref. I think. Um, How'd she do? 
think she did fine. I mean, she's got the character stuff down, yeah. and the crowd popped huge when Becky came out after Lacey gave uh, yeah. Lacey, Lacey gave a Seth a, a low blow. Mm-hmm. So that was pretty interesting as well. But I just, yeah, the, the, hey, the so crowd how did, wasn't the how hottest was, on this one. So how did Baron do? Mm, huh? Baron Corbin. Baron yeah, but sometimes he's good. He's good in some right. matches. Well, you could say what you want. The crowd was not this. happy in this match. Okay. Let's just say that yeah, yeah. Okay. they were not happy. There was a, a chance, a boring chance, CM Punk mm-hmm. chance, and I'm sure that was not thrilling. Obviously, yeah. you don't want to be the guys in the ring with people chanting that stuff. Mm. Yeah, he, he didn't appear to be in a. From my perspective, he didn't appear to be in a very winnable situation because right. he played the match as written to a T. And it was very much performance-based. Lacey at, play to Lacey Evans. Lacey Evans would grab the microphone, keep changing the rules. A very heel special referee kind of a match. Oh, uh, just Cor- stack the deck against yeah, Seth and, the whole right. fucking time? And Baron yeah. Corbin did a great job yeah. in that role. I just don't know. I don't know I if just... he got to shine as a wrestler. Yeah. Mm. All right. Well. That's. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I, I... I didn't see enough of it. Yeah. And like I said, that's why my fucking, uh, at the beginning of the segment, I was like, this is not a review. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> As we are reviewing. This is a discussion. <laughs> All right. Do we want to kind of anything that stood out from you from Raw? I don't know. You, what happened? Well, oh, yeah. Had, Taker. I was going to say oh, we fuck. had Undertaker. Taker, yes. Yes. And it was just like, um, it was just out of, like, it didn't not make sense, but it was totally like it kind of caught me off guard. Yeah, definitely. You know, like okay, there I can understand there being a connection there, Roman and Taker, right? Yeah, yeah. So well, now they're teaming up against uh, Shane and Drew for yeah, Extreme Rules, so that should that's, yeah, that's, that's kind of refreshing, actually. Yeah, and ta- you know, look from Taker's point of view, uh, I can see him feeling the need. To get back out there right away and show everyone that it wasn't him. Right. <laughs> kind of make up for yes. it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He can't change the past. Like, last time he was in yeah. a ring with Roman Reigns, he lost and left all his gear in the ring. Yeah. Right. He's had multiple matches since then. He can't change that past. He can only redirect how that story can play moving forward. Sure. Yeah. I'm just referring to it not being him. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Because of well, because the of, last time we saw it. because of uh, uh, doors. Yeah. So, anyways, right. all right. Yeah, I thought you know it was fine. He looked good. People were happy to see him. Like I'm all like I'm all for you know using guys like him like that. Sure. I w- I would like to see a lot of a lot of contact between him and Drew and see kind of how they yes. work how they work together. Yes. Mm. Yeah. And like okay for like if you're going to have take her in a match or me or anyone else like that's you know long in the tooth <laughs> you can't be in a fucking match with somebody else that's long in the tooth <laughs> right fuck it doesn't matter how good it looks on paper what the fuck <laughs> all right all, All right. right. Well, there was a lot of other matches that happened. Ricochet versus AJ non-title, but this would be good if they go down the line for the bout afterwards. Um, that was de- that yeah, was that a, was a the, fantastic the, match for sure. And um, we yeah, there was quite a few. Yeah, people are, some people complained that Ricochet got beat, you know, and, and whatever. It was a non-title match. It's kind of paid by numbers, mm. 
booking, okay, non-title match, the champ always loses, you know, and that's fine if they're setting up something. Normally, normally I'd see that, but we, if you're putting him in, in, the, in there with AJ, I think it's, it per- makes perfect yeah. sense. Yeah, it's just it was predictable. Yeah. I, I, I knew that was, you know. Also, part of me felt that was them, that was them saying AJ Styles should be more or less in a world title picture. Right. So that if AJ Styles beats the U.S. champion and then AJ Styles stays in the world title picture, that's not a ding on Ricochet in any way. Exactly, right. It's, it's different divisions. Right. Except for, why'd they fucking do it then? Well. Right. <laughs> for what? Just to put a good match on TV? Yeah. They do that. That's fine. Yeah. Like That's fine. I'm just wondering, is that the reason? Or is there something more? Well, all right. Yeah. That's just because, you know, I mean, your first fucking... Title defense, you lose, or no? Your first match after, after winning, winning the, the title, title, you lose. Yeah, you know, eh. wasn't a fan of that, but I I get it. Right. So, all right. All right. Um, any other moments that you might want to talk about? We uh, Alexa Naomi, Kofi Zayn, Kofi Owens, uh, Viking Rados, Gallows, Anderson. That was, I thought that, was that I was surprised. Actually. Sorry. I oh no, fucking... no sorry. <laughs> People have complained sometimes, like that. I talk over the guests. And yes, sometimes I do, because sometimes it just needs to come out. Because if it doesn't, I will lose it. It's your show. Yes. Yeah. No, but I get it. Like I, I, it gets to me sometimes too when I realize I've talked over somebody. But anyways, what was I saying? I know you were as I was talking over you. Well, she was uh, recapping the rest of the show. I know you had mentioned Gallows and Anderson before we went. Yeah, live. we so um, man. I just I. Uh, Boy, I thought the Viking Raiders just ran right through them and just beat them like fucking, un, you know, it was just like, all right. Like, yeah. I thought there would be more to that. I you were almost about to, I feel like you were almost about to say enhancement talent, and you're not wrong because that's who the I Vikings, did not almost about to say well, that. But like, but <laughs> I that's wasn't who even they, thinking it. But that's who they've beaten up until now. So it makes it hard to not right. see the club that way, and we don't want to see the yeah. club that way. Yeah. Did you guys see the Drake Maverick R Truth wedding this wedding wedding thing? Yeah. 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 That was that was awesome. I love that. Yes. That was hilarious. <laughs> Thought I'd bring it up. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um is that a wrap for I think it is. All right. Hey, thanks go. everyone. Uh this was a little bit of a long episode. <laughs> if if you are still listening, I thank you very much. <laughs> If you are not, I totally understand. <laughs> All right. Before we go, guys, please do not forget to check out the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube.com slash Xbox. We're also on Stitcher, Anchor. You guys name it. We'll be tweeting it out a bunch. And if you guys haven't already, make sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Xbox12360show. And uh, Steve, do you want to go ahead and give your social media and then we'll go around? Um, I'm Steve Kaufman. You can find me on Twitter almost exclusively at Steve Kaufman. That's K-U-F. And I'm involved in a lot of YouTube pages, including this one and YouTube.com slash something to wrestle, which I'll say it isn't monetized by YouTube. <laughs> it's kind of kind of a thing. I've that's a, that's with. a long story. <laughs> Uh, guys, you can find me on all, all forms of social media at Ty Matthews PMA, uh, and you can find Championship Wrestling from Hollywood at CWF Hollywood uh, and uh, Saturdays. Check your local listings. All right, Denise right. Salcedo and add underscore Denise Salcedo. Sean? Oh, what the fuck was I going to say? Social I can't media? remember. No, oh, but I think there was something else I was going to say and I can't remember, but oh, well, maybe I'll remember it by next week. <laughs> next time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, they know. <laughs> See you next week, everyone.
From executive producers Maria Manunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, Sean Waltman, producers Mark B. Donica, Jimbo Frank, and the entire Xbox 12360 staff, we would like to thank you for tuning in. Like us on Facebook, rate and comment on iTunes and YouTube. Follow Xbox on Twitter at TheRealXbox and email us at Xbox1236 show at gmail.com.